Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. So, <laughs> I don't know what that was for. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so it's my turn to be getting over a head cold. So I've got the weird um, underwater voice. So Yay, Apo- we like to mix it up here. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Apologies for that. Um, uh, welcome back, as Kathleen said, to Old Hollywood Realness, the podcast that right. celebrates the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. At With s- a twist. <laughs> 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 I got nothing. Eventually, this podcast is going to be just all sung, like improvisational much, singing, because yes. <laughs> clearly I've <laughs> got some sort of mental deficiency where I think I can sing. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, me too. Yeah. It's uh, You know, it's... You put a mic in front of us. I know. And a few sequins laying around. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Do the math, people. Totally. Um, <laughs> we were. Um, we went to go play bingo, yes, on Tuesday. What? At a bar nearby. Uh, one Fun. of Ryan's friends um, and a friend of mine, so a mutual friend, but it, um, an old coworker of his, won over $300. I was That's like, awesome. jealous. Um what? And they were bingo is fun. I yes, think. <laughs> but they were but the she ran she won on um, box, which is the outer edge, uh-huh. and it was. But then the second prize was blackout. So I was like, so what? we were saying. So the whole time we were like box and blackout, blackout my box. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the jokes just write themselves. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, but that was fun. Uh, I didn't win anything, but she won three hundred, so it was all good. Nice. Yeah. Nah, time not wasted. How was your <laughs> How was your uh, time between uh, episodes? <laughs> um, good. So far, so good. Mm. My my other sister, my baby sister, she's thirty six, still my baby sister. Um, she's visiting and <laughs> wow, she's ready to blow up her she's... spot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just saying. I'm just saying, like you know, doesn't matter how old you are, still be my baby sister. So, uh, <laughs> but she's. Uh, she just got in today from Houston, and she's passed it on the couch. Nice. So, yes. Yeah. Excited. We're going to spend the weekend together, hanging out. Yeah. Sweet. That's wonderful. Yeah. Cool. So, um, I guess we should talk about the movie, since that's why we're here. Um, yeah. Not to... That was a terrible segue, but, you know, someone's no got to do it. No kind of sisters. Sisters are doing it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of Paul Lynn for you. Because <laughs> Lord help the mister that comes between me and my sister. <laughs> oh my God, I love Paul Lynn so much. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Lynn voice is the best. I was talking to my sister about Paul Lynn and she's like, who's Paul Lynn? I was like, you know, and she's like, oh, that guy. Yeah. He's the one that, was in the mo- that wasn't in this movie, Pride and Prejudice from 1940. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's just do the rest of the podcast as Paul Lynn. Oh, can we please? <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't know if that would be sustainable. Um, anyhow, oh, <clears throat> I might have an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, putting Paul Lind away, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about this movie, which is Pride and Prejudice from 1940 yeah. from MGM. Uh, so, Kathleen, what's your history with this movie? Um, my history with this movie is that um, I I think I probably watched this first in like junior high and high school, which would have been like early to mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, what I remember about this movie was it was like the second I remember. Okay, so Pride and Prejudice. It's a, a story that I was familiar with, and I remember the BBC miniseries. It was like in from like 1980, and so then I remember watching this, and I remember at the time watching it with my mom, who loved old movies, and I was like, "Wait, but mom, their costumes, like they're not. That's not Jane Austen." She's like, "Yes, it is set in another time period." And I was like, "I like this. It's good, <laughs> you know." But I I remember liking it at the time, um, and uh, yeah, so I've I've. I've I've been familiar with this movie for quite, for quite some time, and so I I always think of it as, to me, in my opinion, a movie that like was um, it was a historical movie that was set in a time period that was actually not the time period it was supposed to be, or like mm-hmm. the original story. And also, I thought, again, in my opinion, they took what again, in my opinion, is a very derpy time period, and they <laughs> made it very cute and. Uh, really work for the story and to me it's like watching a living cartoon but like in black and white i think it's just so cute so i love this movie that's my background but what about you (laughs) um i am not i this is probably the first time that i've actually seen it i might have caught it randomly yeah it's definitely like a random movie that would have been played on tcm for it definitely was i think it was one of those sort of like tcm situations that i saw it on um but i actually am more familiar with great expectations from 1946 Mm, so six years later um i'm trying to see um i'm sorry i'm on imdb trying to do some quick um seeing what studio that was uh, it doesn't say, um, but it has a very similar f- vibe to it. The time period mm-hmm. is similar. The costumes are ser- um, a little bit kind of in the same vein of it. And I remember watching it in um, ninth grade English class because we read Great Expectations. Um, so what well, we read the textbook version of Great Expectations, which was edited down. Um, and the, so the costumes were a little bit similar, lots of bonnets, lots of big, um, big dresses. Yeah. And I was just like, everyone was like giggling and laughing because of the oversized bows and the, and the, the bonnets. And I was just like, yes, I kind of love it. So, <laughs> right. Uh, I, know. I was it, just it, like, shut up. <laughs> it can be, it can be, it can be amazing. It can be derp. I mean, I, that's yes. how I think it's like gigo sleeves, those mm-hmm. weird, like not, I don't say, weird, but like there's very highly exaggerated brim bonnets, these, yeah. exa- which went over very exaggerated hairstyles. Um, it is, it is different. Yes. It is a look. It so is a this look. one, <laughs> I, so this would have been the first time I'd seen it. And it just reminded mm-hmm. me of that and brought back all those, um, those memories from ninth grade. Um, but I love this movie. I, I love this movie. Going on the record, um, I love this movie. It was super cute. And the costumes are mm. bananas crackers loving it. F- f- loving mm. the gigo sleeve um, full yes. fantasy. I'm loving the bonnet eleganza. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, 
And I, I feel like the actors really keep uh, the story yes. going and engaging. Like people are over the top where they, it, like, even though, like, I know, like, even reading about it, um, the leads are being played by people who are a lot older than what they were yes. supposed to be. Uh, but they are so yeah, fucking so good, good at hamming it and the okay. and the and the looks the and the looks. thing. And it just they bring uh, it in a in a cartoonish way that like you get it, you get it. Like, yeah. and they're moving the story forward. They're taking a very a much longer story and they're able to condense it and distill it in mm-hmm. a way that people um, can appreciate it. And, you know, the way I see it too is like, you may be somebody who'd never even heard of Jane Austen. You could watch this movie and want to learn more. That's so I true. feel like this is such a great gateway movie to Jane Austen and, you know, and her stories and Pride and Prejudice in general. Yes. So it shouldn't, I, I don't, I, don't knock it. Like, that's all I'm saying. Don't knock it. Don't knock <laughs> There, yes, this movie does get a bit of a bad rap. Like, not it people does. don't really like it. All, I mean, it, I was looking online on social media, just on like Twitter and stuff, and seeing um, what, uh, just seeing how the, the reaction online and people were like live tweeting it or mentioning it. this was a while ago some mm-hmm. of these older tweets and there was just a lot of like uh-uh no these costumes are all wrong blah, blah blah all this stuff and i'm like yeah 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 but honestly let's be honest like this is from 1940 and this was the first film adaptation of it like it was mm-hmm. like the first full-length film adaptation there and it was bought from a stage production actually it was, um, yeah, yeah. It was purchased from, uh, where did I have that note? I had a little note that I thought was interesting. And it, like, um, languished for a long time, too. Yes. Like, it wasn't just like they, because, you know, MGM used to just buy up shit and be like, we'll take it, we'll take it. Right. And they'd sit on it forever. Um, so you know? um, Irving Thalberg purchased the rights to Helen Jerome's stage adaptation of Pride and Prejudice in 1936. Jerome's work was the only version of the story that held a copyright since the original went into public domain by then. So Thalberg's friend and Harpo Marx suggested wow. the purchase after attending Jerome's play. The studio paid Jerome $50,000 for the rights to the play. That's according to IMDb. Um, which is interesting to think about it that they, so they would have had to, in order to get a rights to it, they would have had, it would have had to been from a, a, an adaptation. So they would yeah. have had to purchase. So that's why they went after the play, um, which is cool. But it was, I mean, you have to think about it, this was the first version of it on film. So nobody had seen a, um, a film adaptation before so they didn't have you know it's just there's no template right. there's no template for it so they yeah. just they did what they wanted to do and and and, and they, I, from what I had read also too like they were start, just starting to do a lot of those like film adaptation type of things like uh-huh. there was Jane Eyre there was like other like Jane Austen things like they were trying to take some of these the classics and like make them into these things that they can turn into movies much right. like we do today like Highbrow. BBC Highbrow. has been doing forever you yes. know but yeah and, and MGM like they loved try, I mean they had been doing this but way, even way back with like mm-hmm. these biblical epics and stuff in the 20s yeah. so it doesn't surprise me that like MGM would go after something like this or want to do things like that yeah so it's interesting too because this um this film also helped make classic literature a more popular screen subject audiences enjoyed the movie and critics were mostly friendly too studios might have been wary of tackling classic literature but this movie showed that it could be done and done profitably um and then parenthetically even if it butchered some elements um it seemed obvious now that austin's novels make good on-screen entertainment but um but this is uh was a f- uh, the first feature film adaptation of her work. So, I mean, you have to think yeah. about this. This wasn't a time when there was a lot of reverence for Jane Austen um, mm-hmm. because, it, I mean, it was the early 40s and there wasn't, you know, that whole thing about it. So, 
I thought that was, I think that that's something to keep in mind that there wasn't, this was a time when there was less of a um, preciousness about Jane Austen. Um, There's wasn't as many people sort of being very protective of the period. And there wasn't that much interest in that period either. The, which the original, what was the original one set in? It's like the uh, 18 teens, like 1813 ish, 18, 10 maybe. Right. Um, this was pushed forward visually to like the 1830s, 18, something like that. It was visually to the, yeah, to the 1830s, which, you know, we had been reading that like, it was because, you know, MGM felt that the original designs or that the silhouette from the original, from when the story originally took place would have been too plain. Uh Um, They were already Uh on the heels of, you know, like, like, they wanted something more dramatic. Um, and I, I think there might have been a, a sense of frugality around it. They had just done um, a, what was a Gone with the Wind. Right. So we had read that, like, for the leads, a lot of the gowns were were made, and Adrian did a lot of those. But for all the extras and all the backgrounds, those were actually recycled from a movie that was supposed to take place in the 1860s, which right. the silhouettes, uh, the, the sorry, the silhouettes were similar. They would probably, they would have to do some minor adjustments, and especially if you were a background person, I can see where that would have been mm-hmm. um, a, a great way to save not just money, but time. So you could focus more time on the leads. Right. Um, but, uh, but also too, uh, I've, I've also, even just in reading Wikipedia, I was just reading that, you know, the first, um, uh, like actual, um, th- they're known, uh, like illustrations of the story itself are from the 1830s, not oh. from the 1810s. And that, and those, those illustrations are reflective of when they were performing it at the time. Huh. So it would have been almost like, like a, you know, a pop illust- you know, like it was current. So right, really like, the- like that. Yeah. So the earliest illustrations actually date back, you know, to, to depicting the 1830s, not the 1810s. So as we've talked about before, like with Marie Antoinette, and because Adrian did these costumes, he was probably looking at what he had to work with and what he had to work with, which would have been the earliest, would have been the 1830s. Right. And he did, he, and he crushed it, you know. And like rightfully, he, you know. And, <laughs> and to their credit, though, think about it, MGM, the, la- the, like, the biggest, glitziest, mm-hmm. most lavish studio on the, you know, in L.A., or in Hollywood is doing a bit known for doing big, big budget musicals, big budget movies, glamour, glamour, glamour. Yes. And then they're going to do um, 18 from the 18 teens, like you've seen and in black and white, mm-hmm. which all sort of light, all pale colors or even dark colors. They rightfully so they, there was right somewhere had written that they felt like it looked like nightgowns. So yeah. it's hard. And it would have been, it, they do, you know, yeah, like it would have been hard period. to, um, yeah. it would have been hard to photograph if they had done anything like, you know, For there sure. just wasn't as much drama that you could do with it. And like this movie is all about plaids and like stripe mm-hmm. mixing and like appliques. And so the costumes are very ornate and they're with the, the period from 18 teens. If you look at everything, they're all super, very plain. There's not a lot yeah. to them that can kind of yeah. go, you know go there really if it's like white is the most popular color and other pastels like it's just not gonna i mean it makes sense and also too like you were saying it's like and we were saying it's like how can you it's like concentrated storytelling you can tell a lot of story in those 1830s costumes just like with their dialogue and everything like everything sort of packs a huge a huge historical punch yeah (laughs) even they're playing fast and loose it's like there's a lot going on in this movie and it keeps you it keeps you going from beginning to end. Right. And there's, um, and think you know. about it too. If it's on the heels of, if it's on the heels of, uh, gone with the wind, which was a massive, mm-hmm. like, you know, bo- box office, boffo, you know? like that's yeah. the period that people just saw. They're 
in love with that movie, why would you not want to repeat the success of it? Mm -hmm. So it's like, just kind of take it similar, but different, but still glamor. Like you just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think to, you just, well, there's no other way, you know, you couldn't do a period that's more, you know, serious or dour or less, less frilly, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, give them the frills. That's what they're asking for. Yeah. (laughs) And I think there's just that whole, it's like, it was a super duper emphasis on like, you know the daughters and the women mm-hmm. and it's just it really they really frilled it up no totally <laughs> and uh boy did the late 30s love a bow oh boy because they were so many bows bows on bows on <laughs> as far bows. as the eye could see <laughs> yes this movie is this movie is all about bows all about gigo ha- gigo sleeves mm-hmm. and gigantic bonnets wonderful yes. and it's like this movie is like straight up whimsy on whimsy on whimsy yes, like whimsy first whimsy second whimsy third and like I love yep. that like the costumes seem like ultra the whole thing is icing like it's like it's like marzipan with icing it's like sugar sugar like i think i got like a cavity watching (laughs) no it's so true but like i just i know like one of my earliest memories of again of watching that was like was my thinking of like wow this is like a black and white movie but to me it felt so clear like the message they were saying in the costumes it's like there was a crispness to how it was done and filmed and it's like i i think watching that movie I think even at that age, like gave me an understanding of like the importance of black and white, like not everything needs to be in color and it's, it's great. You know, like that, that was just a movie where I remember watching it being like, if I watch this in color, I don't know how I'd feel about it. That's not how I feel about Marie Antoinette for some reason. I want to see that in color, (laughs) but, but like pride and prejudice, I'm happy with where it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I really like it. So, and I love that the, they carry it through the movie. I love that like nobody is kind of like knocking it out of the park with mm-hmm. their acting, and the writing is very no. like simple and quick and fast, and like yeah, everything. And the smart. costumes are the costumes are frilly and fr- like, and I say frivolous in a way that's not meant to be mean, but like it's no. it's lighthearted and it, it irreverent. Fits the it's like yeah. yeah, the whole movie is like it all kind of tells the same story. It's not like mm-hmm. Adrian costumed a different like more serious movie like he did a sort of like frilly fun time period mm-hmm. with frilly fun beautiful gowns for a frilly fun story like yes. this story doesn't get very serious like this Mm-mm. like the whole the whole like the the big the oh god why can i never remember this word <laughs> um when something goes wrong in a story <laughs> <laughs> what is that called it's a narrative <laughs> when the narrative i can't even remember it's so frustrating <laughs> conflict i cannot remember the word conflict <laughs> oh my god so the major story conflict is basically just like people don't like each other that's literally how deep this story gets like and then uh, later in the story one girl runs away with with another man and doesn't get with a man and doesn't get married to him for like a week (laughs) you know it's like this movie there's not a lot of stakes to this story which is you know in this well, version, let's just say this, in this version. version, they, they, um, I would say they like lightly address a lot of things that, mm-hmm. you know, in the longer stretched out ones are definitely a bit more played, you know, played up or whatever. And I, right. there actually are some really great things. I think they still do manage to address. And I think they do them in a really great way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, like the whole thing of like the guy who, um, 
you know, goes off to marry her sister. And, you know, he had, turns out he had done the same thing to Mr. Darcy's sister. Right. And there was definitely a couple of times where you could almost tell, like, there was almost borderline, like, like he, they're, they're so worried about her reputation and that and, like, the sort of, like, the slut-shaming of it all. And, like, there's definitely a couple times where it's, like, I don't know, he, he seems really great at sort of showing... Um, like a defensiveness and and uh, standing up for things in this very like you know subtle Jane Austeny Laurence Olivier kind of way mm-hmm. and I know he was I let me get I, I get it I know he was pretty much phoning it in for a lot of this but he still I think did a decent job totally. you know from what I've read it's like he had other you know he just was kind of like he he really didn't feel so great about this but it ended up being a good hit you know it right. ended up being a, a because and I personally think it's because it probably. It, like I said, it was like a gateway movie. I think probably a lot of people loved it who were had never really been exposed to the classics or the things classics. like that. And and again, like we said, no one had ever really done any adaptation like this on screen before. So I'm sure there were probably also people who were like, oh, I love Jane Austen. I'll go see this. You know, like there are people who just love this story. Mm-hmm. So I think that anyway, I digress. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah. So... Um, also to the point where you were saying about the um, the story, or sorry, the actors' ages during this film. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mr. Lawrence Olivier was thirty. Oh, why can't I get this math right? God damn it! Um, what was it? Nineteen forty. I can cut this out. <laughs> Minus nineteen. So he was 33. Mm-hmm. And she was... She was 36. 36. And the character she's playing is supposed to be 20. Yes. So it's kind of <laughs> nice that she's older than him because usually know. it goes the other way. Right? Yes. Um, but she was super good. I, she was I, wonderful in this movie. I actually I wrote, love I, Greer Garrison. I Garson. Greer Garson. Greer Garson is... Uh, I wrote, yeah, Greer Garson equals a queen of the heavy-lidded side eye. She's so good at that. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> love her. Her facial expressions are so good. That's why they, they feels like a cartoon or like, it's I so guess, like good, watching yeah. a play. They're just... I think because they are older, they're just like, bitch, we got this. Yeah. We got this. We'll play children for a few hours. That's okay. So good. You know, and like, it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the cast of this movie, this movie is like, there's like a billion people in this movie for I know. as fast as it goes. So I narrowed the main players down. So we've got Greer Garson plays Elizabeth Bennett. Lawrence Olivier plays Mr. Darcy. Um, Edmund Gwynn plays Mr. Bennett. Um, Elizabeth's father, Mary Boland from The Women Fame, which would have came out the year prior. So, she's amazing. She <laughs> plays Mrs. Bennett, Elizabeth's mother, and kills, steals the movie. Straight she's up. one of my favorite Mrs. Bennett's so ever good. in any adaptation. Nice. Just putting it out there. Uh, Edna May Oliver plays Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Um, Maureen O'Sullivan plays Jane Bennett, um, Elizabeth's younger sister. Um, 
Anne Rutherford plays Lydia Bennett, another sister. Bruce Lester plays Mr. Bingley. Uh, Frida Innescourt plays Miss Bingley. And Edward Ashley plays Mr. Wickham. Um, the gowns by, of this movie, of course, are by Mr. Adrian himself. <laughs> MGM Glamour. Okay. Uh, I know. Uh, so the men's <laughs> costumes are also by Jill, Jill Steele. Um, mm-hmm. This is the same. So this is the same scene from the year prior for from um, Marie Antoinette. So mm-hmm. back at it again. Hairstyling by Sidney Gileroff. Uh, boy, Sidney at it again. Um, makeup by Jack Don and directed by Robert Z. Leonard. Um, yay! yay. Uh, this did win an Oscar for Best Art Direction for Black and White Movies and um, rocketed Greer Garson to fame. Uh, and then she actually would go on to win an Oscar for Mrs. Miniver three years later. I do want to point out that Miss Bennett, played by Edmund Gwen, um, and is actually most famous for depicting Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, and Lady Catherine de Bourg, played by Edna May Oliver, died in 1942 and was only in one movie after Pride and Prejudice. Her first role was in the film Wife in Name Only from 1923. So that woman had been acting wow. for a very long time. And I kind of loved her. She I was one loved of my, her too. She kind of stole the movie too. I loved her a lot. She could pull a face. Yes, <laughs> yes she could. Um, so did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the storyline of this movie? Um, let's think. Because we uh, can... I think that's good. Yeah. Let's, okay. let's jump on in. It's okay. a classic. It's a classic. Everyone knows the story. It's a classic story of boy meets girl and four other sisters. <laughs> and sisters. Lots of sisters that all need to get married. Yep. So the film centers on the Bennett family that consists of five daughters that Mrs. Bennett, Mary Boland, is desperate to marry off to a man of good means to support each one. The reason for um, this is because the estate that the family is living on must go to a male heir and of course they, they don't have any. So <laughs> Mrs. Bennett and her two oldest daughters, Elizabeth, played by Greer Garson and Jane Maureen O'Sullivan are shopping for gowns, which is a wonderful scene. When Mr. Bingley, yes. played by Bruce Lester, and Mr. Darcy, played by Laurence Olivier, um, arrive in town and they're staying by a nearby estate. The ladies are thrown into a tizzy when they find out that both men are single and rich as fuck. Mm-hmm. So they all rush home to persuade Mr. Bennett, played by Edmund Gwen, to rush over and make introductions before other people can snatch them up. But luckily, he mm-hmm. already has. Violent oh. carriage racing ensues. Oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. It's like a fucking like drag race of two <laughs> carriages. They're like, by God, we're gonna get those men's first. So good. It's, it's like a winner take all like drag Go race. Faster, pussy! <laughs> it's like, what? What? I'm the livery man. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Um, so the Bennett clan attends the um, a ball where the daughters try to make themselves noticed by the rich mans. Um, Elizabeth <laughs> overhears Darcy shooting off at the mouth and refusing to dance with any of the ladies at the party because they're of lower class. Uh, she also meets Mr. Wickham, played by Edward Ashley, who explains that Darcy is no good because he slighted him in the past. Uh, when Darcy <laughs> asks Elizabeth to dance, she refuses but accepts Wickham's request and right in front of him so it's like a whole moment um 
<laughs> oh, sorry. That caused a cough. Um, so during the ball, Mr. Bingley takes a shine to Jane. Um, after the ball, Mr. Bingley. I just like saying Mr. Bingley. It's fun to say it that <laughs> Mr. way. Mr. Bingley. Mr. Bingley. Um, invites Jane to their house for a visit. Mrs. Bennett notices that noticing that it might rain, sends Jane over on horseback, which causes her to get soaked and catch a cold, forcing her to spend several days at Bingley's house. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Bennett is no slouch. She knows what she's doing. Um, Elizabeth goes to the house to visit Jane and ends up spending time with Darcy, Mr. Bingley, and Miss Bingley, played by Frida Innescourt. Turns out Miss Bingley is a bit of a stone-cold bitch. And she and Liz exchange some good old-fashioned passive-aggressive jabs. Um, Jane eventually (laughs) recovers and returns home, assuming Mr. Bingley is in full-scale love with her. So the cousin to the Bennett's Mr. Collins, Melville Cooper... Um, who will inherit the estate, comes to visit. The next day, the Bingleys host a garden party. The Bennets and Mr. Collins are present. Um, And Elizabeth spends the whole time trying to avoid Mr. Collins, and Darcy comes to rescue her. She softens to him slightly, but then is um, angered again when she sees him recoil at the the reckless behavior of her sisters. Um... The next day, Mr. Collins proposes marriage to Elizabeth in order to keep the estate out in the family, but she refuses, devastating her mother and delighting her father. He instead marries Elizabeth's best friend, Charlotte, played by Karen Morley. And this is when the Bingleys and Darcy suddenly return to London, breaking Jane's heart. So... Elizabeth visits Charlotte at her new home, where she meets Lady Catherine de Bourgh, played by Edna May Oliver, who is also Mr. Collins' patroness and Darcy's aunt. Um, Darcy is also at this visit as well. He just sort of shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, Darcy falls for her during the visit and asks Elizabeth to marry her, marry him. She refuses because she believes he wronged Mr. Wickham and broke up Jane and Bingley. Uh, Elizabeth returns home to find out her sister Lydia has run off with Wickham um, and they aren't married, which is a scandal to end all scandals. Um, Her father and uncle try to find Lydia, but with no luck. Darcy, hearing of the trouble, swings by and offers his assistance. Turns out Wickham had tried to do the very same thing to his sister, as we talked about before. Elizabeth then realizes she loves Darcy and may never see him again. What is to be done? Um... Lydia and Wickham return to the Bennets, and they're married suddenly. Seems as though Wickham suddenly came into some money and agreed to marry Lydia. Lady Catherine arrives to speak to Elizabeth and reveals that Darcy gave a stipend to Wickham with the provision that he must marry Lydia. Uh, Lady Catherine demands that Elizabeth never agree to marriage with Darcy, which Elizabeth refuses. Lady Catherine leaves in a huff and meets Darcy out of the coach. She informs Darcy that Elizabeth is willing to marry him so he rushes in and they proclaim love for each other Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time Mr. Bingley has returned to propose to Jane in the garden and the film ends with Mr. and Mrs. Bennet pleased to see the turn of events with Elizabeth and Jane and also noticing young men showing interest in the balance of their daughters. L'amour, l'amour. L'amour. Movie. <laughs> Wrong movie, but who cares? <laughs> yep. Um, yep, so that is the story in a nutshell. It's Yay. quite a lot that happens um, in a quite a short period of time, but it's great because you're, <coughs> never, you're never left with any, um, you know, you know, 
downtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they wrap everything up in a in many bows at the end. Many, many bows. Many bows <laughs> attached to giant giant bonnets. I mean at one point Greer Garson literally had two bows on her head. Just two. Mm. I mean they look good, but I was like, two bows? Well, but also too, I mean, they were they were doing everything they could to make her look not thirty six, which was hilarious. <laughs> it's like let's give her sausage curls, let's give her bows. No, two bows. Let's give her bows. Let's. Mm. What can we do to? And then the way she even, um, I love the way she walked. She just did this little pitter pat oh, walk they around told, everywhere. Yes, yeah. it's they all moved like that. It was so cute. Yeah. They moved Their like pitter pat walk was awesome. Yeah. Yes. And the, the the hems floated above the hemline of above yeah, the they, floor, they so you could really see those so tiny perfectly. little shoes. They moved yeah, like little so kittens. You just expect teeny tiny little like jingle, <laughs> one single jingle bell as they move. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh man. Oh yeah, it's so true though. Like that's the thing is, I think that um, there. You can wear those dresses and like look like that from head to toe, but to be able to move in them is also just tells another story, you know. Yeah. And they just did it so well. And like yeah, you're not going to be and, reaching anything off the top shelf with those things. <laughs> no, no. And like, and those bonnets are so derp derp with those giant like spoonbill things in the front, you know, the brims. I love them. But they, I know they're so. But they do them so well. No, I'm just saying like. No disrespect. They do them so well in this movie. Everything is so perfect, and it works on all the characters so perfectly. Just, and, like, yeah, it just it tells their story, you know? I just and it's love so the cutesy. way there's so many, like, there's, like, there's so many of those, like, gigo sleeve, which is yes. huge, which, sorry, a gigo sleeve is basically, like, a pumpkin-sized sleeve yeah. on, uh, and it's on just, like, from the shoulder to the elbow, and it's Yeah, ginormous. and it gets super tight and, like, goes all the way over the hand, so it's, like, really tightly fitted from, yeah. like, the elbow down, yeah, but it's, it's just got gorgeous. this, yeah, like, just pumpkin hanging on your sleeve, and, like, they, I, we've even seen, like, they used to even have these, like, inserts that they would put in there that were, like, these down-filled, almost, like, donuts that would, like, sit inside just to, like, keep the poofs up. But so they looked pretty fucking amazing. And then they would have, like, a lace overlay over the top of yes. it with, like, a piece, like, a collar piece. And then yes. there'd be, like, three collar pieces. It's, like, layers on layers and, like, line, like uh, corded seams, like, going, yeah. like, three or four corded seams, like, right next to each other with, like, and there was bias a of, plaids yeah. and, like, ugh, so it just, it basically made like your top half look like a triangle. It'd make your like wh- your shoulders be super wide, and then they like literally come to a point at your center front and center back waist. Like it was so just wonderful. this really, and then you'd have this full skirt that would just be like ankle length with like little ballet flats. But then their hair was always like super super corkscrew corkscrew curl, you know, mm-hmm. and like really tight to the head. And then those bonnets with the just the massive brims in front, they were just like open up, like they weren't. They sat like they, it's almost yeah. like it's funny because a lot of them almost had like kind of like a um, like a cylindrical crown yeah, that were tall, yeah. and then they put the bill straight like almost parallel like, to it. Like, yeah, it was like crazy. straight up, not any. There was no yeah. angle to those things, and they just sat like a giant halo. And then they put like lace appliques and like fla- some yeah. would have flowers or a giant bow like sewn down. Like yeah. so, it's literally sitting straight. And you have like a vertical like uh, this display of stuff on top of your it head. Was it crazy. was crazy. Uh, like in I, a slight breeze, you know, you'd full on. Crack oh your my neck. god. Like, yeah, like it just it wouldn't even. Yeah, Bennett sister down. Bennett sister down. 
<laughs> just walking around like one of those chickens gets his head like you know the neck broken and they're just gonna walk over the head just <laughs> flop over the, ga- the the skirt the bell skirt just flips up yeah. and it's just like layers of lace and little feet oh, going <laughs> uh, help me Oh. oh my god! Oh. oh man, that reminds me. Like I love the. There is that one scene where Elizabeth Bennet is like changing clothes, and you actually oh, see yeah. her like take off one dress, take off a petticoat, take off like put on something else. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool, and like something you just you don't see very often in movies. Like just someone doing that, and so easily. Like yeah, she just, just seemed like very familiar natural. with her clothes. Yes, exactly. Very naturally, I really appreciated that I that love scene. That. That, yeah. There was some really amazing looks in this movie. For like, sure. Oh, my God. I have oh, to talk about... The plaid. Hell, oh, the plaid. that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There was beautiful, like, satin plaids with, like... Seriously, where they on used, the like, bias. Yeah, like, and it would uh, be, like, some would be, like, a mat with a shiny stripe through it, which was amazing. Which would show so, up on black and white. You, That's the thing right. is, like, it looks so crisp in black and white, you know? This, this stuff was perfect with all these, like, gingerbread trimmings and stuff that they did. So it beautiful. Just, Looks, yeah, amazing. Serious looks. Did you have, like, a favorite or anything oh, that, like, really yeah. stuck out? <laughs> My favorite was actually Miss Bingley's evening gown that she wore at the ball. Oh, yes. Which was all, like, what it was a dark velvet. First of all, she comes in with Laurence Olivier on one arm. Yes. And Mr. Bingley on the other arm. And she's, like, wearing a and black velvet stone cloak. stone cold bitch. This stone <laughs> cold bitch. She is a straight up see you next Tuesday. Like, yes. it's Seriously. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so she comes in wearing dark, dark velvet, and she's got a cloak on, which has like a sequin applique all the way down the center front oh. on both sides. And then she takes it off. Yawn has no time for this ball. She's like, everyone here is so ruffians. And she's wearing the giant, like it's a giant um, gigo sleeve again, but it's mm-hmm. all off the shoulder. And then it has like these leaf, like almost like leaf petal appliques yes. that like it's all around her lay beautifully over her gigantic sleeves and they each of those leaves is edged in a beautiful like sequin which I have to imagine Ugh. is gold I want it to be all like burgundy and gold Amazing. you know just so that she can look extra beautiful like I yeah. just love it because she's real flashy and all the other girls are kind of like not as flashy they're wearing mm-hmm. evening wear but it's just not as it's the not only like that makes jewel it, you get yes. the attempt, like you get the impression she's wearing like rich dyed jewel tones that people would never mm-hmm. i mean which would have been a fortune back then to get anything yes. so saturated and uh I mean, she's she doesn't give a fuck about showing it off she's like she out of my way it. plebes <laughs> yeah i'm doing this <laughs> yeah she's like out of my way scrubs yeah <laughs> So good. She's like, I don't even like the country. Yeah. So thumbs that down. Was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be more bored. When are they going to invent texting? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Did but you have any she of your did look favorite good, books? You know, I I actually really really love the um, the dress that Elizabeth wears in the archery scene when um, uh-huh. <laughs> when when uh, <laughs> Mr. Darcy's trying to mansplain archery to Elizabeth and she is not having that shit and he's <laughs> and he's like oh okay then but I loved it because it was I think it was almost like a 
like either a chiffon or like a shadow striped cotton. And so mm-hmm. she had the Gigo sleeves, but they were super transparent. But you could almost see like a hint of sequins almost showing through them. And yeah. um, and it was just very light and airy. And um, and then she had this beautiful like you know contrasting belt. And that I don't know. I just beautiful. I like that. It just it 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 felt really perfect for the scene and who she was trying to portray in the moment. How what her character was trying to be and do and then of course she's like bullseye thwap 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 <laughs> you know like every time i love that uh, <laughs> so yeah that's one of my favorite scenes and that's also too when like mrs bingley she's like oh that's not very like she's trying to come over and and uh right after like she basically like schools mr darcy and you know he's just fighting down that boner he's like damn that was awesome <laughs> and then carol lady caroline because oh she's like oh maybe you can show me he's like oh no 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 i don't think so I'm no, no, I can't. No, I, I've oh just God. been schooled here, and uh, and that's when I again I just I love Greer Garson because she delivers these lines and they're so rich and she's like you know like oh like that's not very like uh, that's so very dignified and she's like um, what was it like um, oh in order in order for you to be really dignified you have to be dead yeah, nobody's more dignified than a mummy flap <laughs> you know like I just love it and she just like it's so beautifully punctuated with all of her movement and just loved, she's so oh good she has so many good so many good so one-liners. good so many good one-liners like, she just delivered them like only a 36 year old could you know yeah. <laughs> to be really dignified one must be dead <laughs> it's just so good so good oh my god another one that was amazing that I loved was um was it Lady Catherine's daughter Yes, Anne, mm-hmm. with her weird like she. Well, first of all, she's the only one that doesn't. She looks like an alien. Like, she does she look like, like an alien. She's got like the. She stra- looks special. <laughs> she not even special. She looks like she had a serious facelift. Yeah, her eyes yeah. are all like kind of pointy. Like it's. I mean, she's beautiful by today's standards. Like she could be walking the runway for the couture but, shows, but like in 1940, <laughs> it just made she looked. She looked like a character actress. I think she had yeah. literally two lines in the movie. No, it, which, and, uh, and I think one of them her, was a cough. <laughs> no, it's true. But like you could just there, there, she had nuanced derpiness in her outfit too that just really oh set her apart. Where you're like, okay then, kind of like Mr. Collins. You're like, okay then. Yes. <laughs> you're just no. <laughs> yeah, I think her character is actually one of the really good ones that they showed where they did kind of like they're just like they they did that really weird, like kind of like rolled hair on her. Yes. And then they did like a roll that was stuck straight up and then put a bow on it that stuck straight <laughs> up on the middle of her head. She looked like a cartoon. And she <laughs> looked, but she also, but because she was so like kind of sour faced and like kind of mean yeah. looking, it just kind of made it even better. And like, well, she's like fancy sour face, just yes, like her, I just like her. And She's I also like love that training. there's like ribbons that kind of come straight off of her in loops over yes. her shoulders. Ugh, I mean, <laughs> oh my god, yes. Um, uh, Miss Lady Lady Catherine de Bourg had some amazing gowns as well. She really she did. Was... Like in her hats, like oh my god, statement hats. Like she's totally. and then like full of accessories and uh, and her face. Oh my god, like yeah, especially toward the end. So I really good. enjoyed. I thought. I thought they really, again, like, this is a very distilled version of the story. One could say playing fast and loose. But mm-hmm. I think that they delivered the gist of the story and the and what really, I think, was the story was about and um, and did a great job. And, you know, my whole thing is, like, you know, if, if this gets, if a, if a movie like this gets somebody to, 
interested in watching or learning more about Jane Austen or more about her stories than it did its job. Okay. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know, for some reason when I was, we were researching this, I kept thinking about um, uh, the Romeo and Juliet that was made in the 90s with um, oh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. And like, we love it because, you know, it's like Baz Luhrmann and stuff. And I loved it. I loved that movie so much. But there are so many people I remember at the time that, you know, were theater people and they were like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. And like could not like just abhorred it, you know? Yeah. But my thing is like if it gets somebody who never heard of Shakespeare ever, if they watch this movie and it, it enthralls them and they want to learn more, did it not do its job? Like did totally. it not did it not work? So, like, that's just how I feel. Like, everybody's got their own opinion. And I love this movie. I think it's a treasure. And the looks are amazing. And everybody's so beautiful. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could just tell everybody's so perfectly manicured, that MGM manicure of everything. Every eyelash is just, bing, perfectly in place. <laughs> like everyone, everyone hold. We have to adjust. I don't know. Greer's eyelash. Let's play. Left side. Left side. Yes. <laughs> so good. Oh man. God, this movie. Well, this movie was super fun. I loved watching yeah. it, and I could have kept watching it over and over again. It's so yeah, cool. I I really loved the mom. I thought she had not oh just God. great looks, but just her performance. And again, she's uh, l'amour lady from I mean, from the women who we. But her her. Her way that she portrays the mom, yes, it's like over the top, but like you also truly care. I I genuinely think she loves those her daughters. Like and you, you oh, yeah. really felt like it, it could have been bullshit, but they do you really sense us like there was a sense of warmth and rapport between her and the women who had to play her daughters, and I thought that they were just all in on it in such a great way. Um, and and I also too I I recognize Mrs. Bennett is one of those characters that I remember watching as a kid and being like, why is she so hysterical? Like, why is this <laughs> such a big deal? Like, why are you always just like three shades away from a heart attack anytime th- anything happens? But now I get it. Oh my God. Like, yeah. they, if you really think about the predicament that they were in, having five daughters and like what would become of them what would because of come of her like no wonder she didn't sleep at night yeah five you know, daughters and by the way it. no dowry they had no, no dowry, dowry no nothing and like again like you truly love your kids and your daughters you had a good life like my god no the stress the stress <laughs> that must be like to be that i i get it now i get it so thank you <laughs> thank <laughs> you i learned <laughs> thank you mary thank boland. you thank you mrs bennett thank you yeah thank you mary boland <laughs> um, it's so interesting there was another another bit of tidbit of information from imdb because they say that um mr bingley gets five thousand pounds per year mm-hmm. and at that time would have been worth twenty three thousand dollars twenty three thousand eight hundred dollars in 1830 and in wow. 2014 currency, that would be $5.6 million a year. Wow. <laughs> so Mr. Bennett was doing okay. So no wonder why she wanted to marry him off if he was going to be getting that much money every year. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. It's it's a whole thing I just don't still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but understand. I, I, I don't story. understand how old to, all the states work. Like, how do yeah. you get the stipend of that much every year? <laughs> I just, well, I, I, it's still, I mean, I get it because, you know, times were different, but from a modern eye, it's, it's, I think for a lot of people, it's just so hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that women just had zero rights for things that they were completely entitled to and should have been theirs. And like that just, it's like, 
it just it, it's all the rage inside is what i'm yeah. saying all the rage inside i just it's it's really hard it's and i know it's still like that unfortunately in some places but yeah. that i think is already it's just a a rage inducing premise <laughs> um but you know it's sisters they stick together <laughs> and it's great i always i liked the relationship with jane and elizabeth i always thought they were pretty cool oh, and yeah, just in general nice. like no one's really trying to rat each other out or you know steal each other's vans like it's nothing like that like they're all kind of there to support each other and take care of each other and i think that's that's a pretty cool story that's that's a pretty great premise and also like just i think the bennett family is a great family you know yeah. it's, it's just yeah i love the dad i love the dad has oh, really yeah. great quippy remarks too you know he's like, fun he's awesome I love the relationship between the dad and the mom where the mom oh, is going hysterical and the dad just couldn't, yeah. the dad just is almost like making fun of her the entire time. Yeah. Like he's just like, he like makes, he's always kind of making like snide remarks. He's all, yeah. Like, or he's like, Oh, we should have drowned the children before yeah. <laughs> when they were children. Cause we had too many of them. Like, he just, what? he talks her down off the le- ledge by just straight up antagonizing her the entire time. Pretty like, much. Just, okay. <laughs> He's like, but, sure. He's like, he's like, let's let's just set the place on fire like you want to. <laughs> I'm well acquainted with your doves. They're like old friends. <laughs> <laughs> Something of that nature. There's a line like that. Because <laughs> he's just like, my doves, my doves. He's like, I'm I'm well aware. Yeah, we're we're bros. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's what's so amazing about this. Um, just this this story. Like, if you think about it, like it was written so long ago, and like there are a lot of these the the screenplay what it's an adaptation of real actual like lines that were written by somebody who was so young and unfortunately yeah. died young and you know nobody even really knew who she was until after she died um oh. yeah it's really crazy because um you know um she yeah she died she died in actually um what was it 1817 i believe and so that was maybe f- 4 or 5 years after she wrote this story and um and it, and she and then it was actually her brother and sister arranged to have other other ones of her stories published and uh, it was only after her death that her 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 death that her identity um, as an author of these uh, popular novels was revealed because like they were around and about at the time but nobody really knew least of all that oh. they were written by a woman yeah wow but I think it's really cool again you know just like her siblings making sure that her stuff. Um, even after she died was published and that she was remembered and sort of revealed as, you know, who she really was, which was something she wasn't really able to do or enjoy when she was alive. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. I know. Awesome. Brothers and sisters helping each other, (laughs) getting their shit published after they die. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. I'm not actually that familiar with, uh, um, with, um, Jane Austen herself. I'm just more familiar with like the movies that have been made out of her yeah. out of her books. <laughs> yeah, she was she wrote these little novels. I my I love actually Pride and Prejudice is probably my favorite and then I think Persuasion would be like a close second for me, but she was really good about writing about like class and um the not just the class but like, you know, the the things that hold people back because of just because of class, because of laws, protocol, oh. all that kind of stuff and and honestly like they've held up her shit holds up because a lot yeah. of that is still kind of like Shakespeare. A lot of those things are still relevant today. Um, there's been different ad as we know, there's been so many different adaptations done 
of uh, Pride and Prejudice. Um, you know, not just like the really amazing BBC adaptations on Kira Knightley and all that kind of stuff, but like Bollywood did it. I don't know if you remember Bright. They did Bride and Prejudice. That was like a Bollywood oh, version. I need to There's watch some that. looks. There's that some nice. looks in that one. Yeah. And then like I, one of my personal favorites. It's a mini series that was done called Lost in Austin. Another one of my favorite <laughs> portrayals of Mrs. Bennett is in that. It's a uh, time travel and and uh, it's amazing. Nice. Um, it's like yeah, it's that's a really good one. But there's it's definitely been an inspiration. For for different things um you know in different stories and so yeah but i think this is a i i think this is a really good example of not just uh like a jane austen movie but a store like uh, old hollywood really trying to do a historical a historical mm-hmm. film yeah. and um i don't know it's like there's a lot of you know people blog or talk about these different things and it's so easy to pick things apart when they're made at certain times or you know like again we're talking about playing fast and loose with history but i believe that this movie has a place and these costumes have a place oh totally and yeah. uh, and they deserve respect <laughs> <laughs> but no they're really awesome yeah i to completely agree with you i just i it's so funny like thinking about when like just people who get nitpicky on these costumes i'm always like yeah. it's 1940 the yeah. war is about to break out any minute now you're tasked with making a movie that's going to be a lavish million dollar movie that has to make money yeah. you don't have that many resources of his, you know historical resources at your you know at your disposal what do you what would you do like right. you just you can't put your you got to put yourselves in the 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 shoes of the people actually making these films and like yeah. it's it's not an easy task so yeah and, 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 and to make yeah. it look this beautiful exactly and like and God. i appreciated like finding that kind of information was great because even when i was researching just like the thing that kept it was like well this is not the time when it really ta- uh, yes i know that i know yes, right I know, but now take that out of it like like, now yes. Matt, like it, okay yeah. <laughs> but how is it due for 1830s it yeah do exactly that like and honestly you know? like i don't i haven't i can't think of a whole lot of movies that are set in the 1830s and then if they mm-hmm. are do they do them that well and i think they yeah. i think they did really great they really made them look like they were out of like etchings from the 1830s like things were exaggerated things were full of whimsy and i don't know i loved it i thought yes. it was awesome and and you know it is somewhat accurate like even though it's not um that's not the time that maybe the the story originally took place in those costumes themselves i think kind of they nailed that silhouette pretty fucking well and the hair and everything like they do pretty good so yeah they did yeah but can't speak highly enough about this movie yeah it's just fun watch it it's really engaging and uh i think laura's livy is pretty damn cute and greer garson's really beautiful Yes. Um, special uh, special awards go to uh, Mr. Bing, Mr. Collins, because he's pretty funny in this movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's really good, and also to the nerdy sister. Oh what yes, Mary. 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 Yes. Yes. She's with the glasses. She's, she's, she's adorable, <laughs> and she's all bookish, and she yeah. loves books, and, and she, she sings re- off key. But then by yeah. the end, she nails the key, and you're like, yay! And she yes. hits it off with the cute nerd at the end who plays the fiddle. So that's good. So yeah, cute. and she's she's got some looks. She's they've all she got does. Great looks. They all have like great it's, looks. It's just interesting. And they look they really all... pretty. Like even though they're mm-hmm. supposed to be like nerdy or bookish, she's still really really pretty. You know, like yeah, she everybody's is. so prim and proper and um, tucked in in just this perfect way. Like you know that they probably spend hours getting that shit done. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, hours. Yeah. 
Especially after reading, like, I remember one of the things I read was, like, and I've, I've read this, stories about this before, like, despite these big, glitzy movies that we see on the screen, the working conditions were not always that great. Um, no. A lot of times they had to, when they had to break for lunch, they had to go eat like everyone else. And they had been taking off all their shit and putting no. it all back on. And they only got an hour for, half hour for lunch. Like, it was always just, like, rush, 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 A lot rush. of times you didn't um, even get the t- chance to get out of costume. Nope, just, nope. You know. And uh, not always known, they didn't have nice, cute little bathrooms either. We're talking tiny little tight bathroom stalls that, again, we had read about how they complained about having to wear, you know, wearing these big dresses and having to try to get in those bathrooms, which is why I always recommend to people who are ever going to go to Renaissance fairs or Dickens fairs or any of these things, design your costume around the bathroom because if you have, <laughs> all you have are porta potties and bathroom stalls but yet you're doing a time period that maybe hoop skirts were around think about that think, think about that. that think about the logistics involved and maybe design around that that's yes. all i'm saying think about that <laughs> and think about the floors in that place oh god i've Ooh. seen some mishaps <laughs> yeah <Good Lord. laughs> Food yeah. for thought. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you come back from that. Uh, you don't. I was actually Dude. just uh, thinking, well, I the only other that. time... They don't really show, because again, this would have been uh, deep in the Hayes Code. You're never going to see a toilet or any of anyone using right. the facilities or how that's going to happen. Probably what would have happened is they would have all formed a circle around the person who needed to use the facilities so that they block them with their skirts, just like they did in the piano. Yeah, I was just about to say that, just like the piano. <laughs> piano pee. <laughs> piano pee. <laughs> That's a good movie. I should I'm about to go pee one. piano style. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> Form a protective barrier. I know. <laughs> Ladies, circle up. <laughs> like a wagon train. Bladder's full. Circle up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, anyway. Oh, goodness. Dignity. Always dignity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I think that's pretty much all I had on this wonderful film. Great movie. Yeah, me too. Watch it when you can. It's a good, it's a good frothy little delight. Yeah, and we found this on Warner Archives. So, right, Warner yep. Archive Instant. So if you have that, if you join that, it's uh, there for you to watch. Um, over and over and over again. Um, with that, we can slip, slide, ease on in to the shameless plugs. Um, All right. You, you can catch us over on Facebook at Old Hollywood Realness. You can Instagram us at Old Hollywood Realness. Uh, Twitter us at OHR Podcast. You can email us all of your thoughts and prayers um, at G- or sorry, old Hollywood realness at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> you can visit our website. We'll be posting the photo recaps with some um, period um, with some period references. Yeah. Um, while you're there, you can click on our Amazon banner to support the show. So click on the banner and shop like you normally would. We got some, we got some sweet, sweet, sweet cash for that. <laughs> um, and you can go over to iTunes and give us a five star review and um, five star rating and give us a review. We'd love to have yes. a review. So we share those on the podcast when we get them. And um, thank you to Mr. Hal Lublin for giving us his vocal talents at the top of the PCAST. Um, forever, forever grateful for that. 
Um, in the meantime, you can, uh, oh, sorry. In the meantime, <laughs> thank you for listening to OHR Lamu. Bye.